Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi, welcome to the Parkside Cafe in Bristol. Uh, We are hosting sort of an unprecedented event here at the Parkside Cafe. It's a mayoral debate uh, between the sitting mayor, Republican Jeff Caggiano, and his Democratic challenger, Scott Rosado. And uh, we have a live audience here with people who have submitted questions. The whole restaurant is open, by the way. If you guys need coffee or water, I think we've deemed that it won't be too distracting. Feel free to continue to enjoy your breakfast. I'm going to lay out what the format is for the debate. Then we're going to introduce the two candidates. And we are going to range from you know taxes to development to maybe a little bit of crime, maybe a little bit of ESPN, maybe a little bit of national politics, and maybe a little surprise rapid fire at the end just to get a sense of who you are as individuals. Are we good with all of that? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, so the format, the way it's going to work is we are going to do question and answer. Whoever I address the question to will get a minute, okay? And then if the, uh, the other person wants to respond, they'll have 30 seconds to respond, and then the initial asker, responder, will get a 30-second close. Now, since we are one-on-one, and I believe that both gentlemen are, are very gracious and civil, if it, if it gets into a direct conversation, it's fine, and I'm, I might let it go as long as it's respectful and civil. All I ask of you is no phones, Try to respond to me. If I wrap you up, do the best you can to wrap up your thought and not go too far over, and that's how it will work. Uh, In terms of the audience, no placards, thank you, Uh, and no signaling or any of of the kind. If you want to give some soft applause, I'm not going to get mad at that, but let's not overly sway things one way or the other. And that's how we're going to go here. We do have several um, audience questions it will try to work in and we'll try to work through those especially in the second half hour we'll take that 7:30 to 7:35 break to read your questions and hopefully get them in and uh and we'll begin we decided to eschew the opening statements they we each will have a closing statement at the end so what we'll do is we'll do q a we'll take a break we'll do more q a and then we will do a little rapid fire segment at the end and then give each candidate one minute in a closing statement. We'll give uh, Mayor Kajano, since he's the sitting mayor, the last word of the debate with his closing statement. Uh, I want to introduce, if people don't know, at home, this is being simulcast throughout our entire 50,000 watt audience. Uh, and I asked them both to sort of, I like to see how people sort of envision themselves if they marketed and promoted themselves. So I had them write their own two paragraph biographies of themselves. And uh, Scott Rosado, Uh, was an elected member of the city council for three years where he served on many boards and commissions including police, parks, youth, and veterans council. He was also instrumental in the development of Bristol's first diversity council and the opioid task force. He's currently president of the Boys and Girls Club. Following his mother's death, Scott returned from the Navy and took over the family home care business, growing it from 50 employees to over 700. He also opened Primo Press and moved the headquarters to Bristol. He's a proud veteran, business owner, husband, and father. Scott, welcome Thank to you. the Parkside Cafe. And Happy to be here. Mayor Jeff Caggiano is a lifelong Bristol resident, a husband, a father, longtime biotechnology professional, has been leading local Republicans since 2015. He served on the Board of Education before being elected mayor in 2021. Jeff has focused his attention on downtown revitalization and creating fiscally responsible, efficient government of the people. Jeff has been very accessible and is always eager to hear from his constituents. He has always focused on a new standard of transparency in government. Welcome, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Brian. And so I think we'll we'll get started. We'll get started with you, Scott. And it's a simple question. And this first one will be just a, a separate question for each of you without response. And the question to you, Scott, is, 
why are you running to be the next mayor of Bristol? Thank you, Brian. I have a passion to serve. I served my family, my community, and my country. My passion to serve has become my purpose. I've grown to love local level politics because you can be part of the solution. Experience firsthand what making a difference really means. I'm also proud to say that I'm proud to be part of the Bristol All Heart. Bristol made me who I am today. It allowed me to view the city from many different lenses, from growing up to low, in low income housing projects, to building my business and raising my family. I'm so forever grateful. And now this is my time to give back to Bristol. All right, Scott and Jeff, the question to you is, why do you want a second term? I think it's a great question. I've enjoyed uh, tremendously being in Bristol for the past two years, leading this great all-heart city. Uh, this big, small town has uh, one little hole in it, but you, anybody that came here today sees there's a lot of development going on downtown and uh, you know, want to finish that job that has really caught new wind recently and finish those projects down there and continue to lead this city. Uh, the one thing I love about here today is we have so many people that are getting engaged, and I have felt that change in, in engagement in civic politics, so thank you very much for allowing us to do this here today, and we want to continue that because the community will come together and uh, make Bristol better. Okay, let's start the debate, and then you, uh, Mr. Mayor, you made a perfect segue. I am right next to Bristol working in Farmington, and I've been looking for a good butcher for a long time. And finally, somebody said, you got to go to Southside. Same. So last week, I went to Southside, but it was quite an effort to get there. Okay, and there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of blocks and this and that and detours. And so I'll start with you. And again, this will start the, the formal format. You'll have a minute. You'll have a 30-second response, and then you can get the last word for this question. The question is, is the downtown transformation too much too fast? Never. Um, when we've been sitting on 62 years after we took our downtown down, we need to move that momentum as quickly as we can. And I look across the audience and I've talked to a lot of people. When I ran two years ago, everybody said, we need things downtown. We need things downtown. Uh, the quicker, the better. We have to capture the momentum and we need to continue that. We, we do, unfortunately, have a little bit of a mindset change that we need here in Bristol because nobody believes this could happen, but guys like JR have built a great restaurant here that is busy, and we need four or five more downtown, and we need to most importantly bring in that commercial tax base that we haven't had downtown for 61 years. Scott? The, the, 62, the 61 years is, is, is really bothering me sometimes, and I don't want to start off like this, but we got to stop that. We've got to give credit to a lot of the past members who served this city. ESPN came in here. We got to give credit to Gerard Kucher, who lost the election because he purchased the, the mall property over there. Guys, if he didn't purchase that, where would we be today? We spent, in my, our administration, putting these projects together. And guess what? You've got, you've got the coattail to run on it. So, you know, by all means, we've got to start giving credit where credit is due. Mike Warner, one of the greatest, youngest Republican mayors that we've had, brought us the ESPN. Talked to Gerard Kucher yesterday. I didn't talk to him about this, but I think in a show of hands here, uh, should we have bought in the mall property? No. It's been sitting vacant for 18 years. I'm proud to say there's one acre left of property to be sold there. We can't sell it because we have so much activity going down there, so we will slow that one down a little bit. And we will get to an ESPN-related question, I believe, from a listener in a little bit. Uh, let's go to Scott. This actually relates to the downtown development. There are still multiple empty storefronts on Main Street. As mayor, what would you do to change that? Well, first of all, we gotta have the vision, the vision of the future. Multiple storefronts uh, downtown, we, we, we definitely have to fill those, right? We're gonna work together and, and bring businesses in. We, we have to bring these businesses in. Um, by my, by, I've been in business for 35 years. I know how to bring businesses in. And what we got to do is we got to connect with our community and find out what their needs and wants are and, and make sure we address them. Jeff? Uh, we are bringing businesses in. In the last two years, we've averaged 540 new businesses in the city of Bristol. That's based on the Secretary of State accounting of new businesses. 540? Previous to COVID, we were averaging 332. 
So we brought in 200 new businesses on average per year while I've been in office. There is a new mindset here. The other thing I will share with everybody is the Bicarrier Development has four dedicated restaurant spaces that they are putting out there for everybody. The city is no longer in charge of the Center Square Mall property, and when we give it to private developers, they're going to make things happen, and we need to continue to support our businesses. Let's not get excited over those 500 businesses because, again, like you said, we still have empty forefronts. A lot of those businesses are off those registries that are single-owned single businesses with LLCs that are working from home. So guess what? That 500 is just a facade. Remember, let's count all the businesses that are closing. I mean, I'm willing to let this conversation go on if you want to talk about yeah, it. I mean, uh, it, I mean it, it's one of those things where growth will be seen by not only occupied businesses, but businesses that will be patronized, right? That people will, will use it. Um, do you think that statistic you threw out is a shadow stat or is it a legitimate stat? I think there's real uh, truth in the fact that people are changing the business model. So we do have a lot of small new businesses. By the way, it, it shows up in our assessment. Business properties fall. Home values rose. People are doing a lot of home businesses. I get it. But just, let, just this week, I uh, was able to be part of two, a ribbon cutting as well as a groundbreaking for two new establishments on Riverside Avenue. Uh, sorry, JR. We're going to have uh, Rooster's Chicken and Waffle. I don't think it's a direct competitor to you. But, you know, these are two minority-owned businesses on Riverside Avenue. Uh, we have, we'll talk probably more about other development stuff and things that we've brought in. But that streetscape redesign and the rehaul of that gateway into downtown shows the excitement. Uh, the Ford Dodge uh, place on 234 Riverside Avenue is coming down. So, Scott, since it was your question, you do have the chance to give the last word. Yeah, I mean... I mean you know, we have 15% overall in the state of Connecticut, 15% women-owned businesses, 13% are minority that are showing business interests. Again, you ask me what I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on some of those businesses, look to see who's wanting to do business in Bristol and make Bristol business friendly. So I want to move to something that's a little bit of an uncomfortable topic, and obviously everyone in the audience knows, you know, from keep Connecticut white to swastikas to racial slurs, there's been some issues around the city and it's something we need to talk about. And so I'm going to put it to Jeff, and it's a, I'm going to put it very simply and let you take it where you'd like to go. Does Bristol have a hate problem? I think uh, our entire society has a hate problem, and hate comes in many different forms. I think this is an all-heart city. I've asked the community to come together in unity and support everybody. I can only control my own actions. And by the way, I think I said hello and shook almost everybody's hand when I came in here. We have to treat ourselves, uh, treat everybody with respect. In July of 2022, when the first white supremacist flyer came out, I said, the Bristol I'm proud of to lead, the, to lead is strong and diverse community in which racism, hatred, and bigotry have no place. Bristol will not remain silent when any voices of intolerance speak. Importantly, I hold each life sacred, regardless of race, color, ancestry, national origin, religious creed, sex, gender identity, or expression, sexual orientation, age, or disability, and understand the important role that local governments have. I said that in July of 2022, and I continually hear from people that I haven't been outspoken enough about hatred and racism. I raised three great kids in this town. We respect everybody. We look people in the eye, and we shake their hands. Scott. Yeah, so um, I, I could talk forever on this topic. Um, I guess I'll, I'll bring it back to where the leadership lies, right? I mean, when you're, when you're in a... As, as a leader in this community, you have to speak for all. Like we say, we have to make sure all are welcome. But guess what? You're not addressing the issues that are in front of you. You're just not. And that's why we had to take it amongst ourselves to take action. Take action. You have an issue right now with our Board of Education, with Jen Van Gorder. You may not want to hear it, but we got to do something about it. She should not be in charge of making decisions on our youth, on our kids. Absolutely not. And uh, I, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with that decision, but we uh, have ballots that go out today. We also have um, an electoral process. Whether you like it or not, Jennifer Van Gorder is not serving right now. We can't do anything as a government to take care of it. And I will also go back here, too, to remind everybody that we had an issue in 2015-16 timeframe where we had malfeasance in the, in the mayor's office. 
the party that wasn't in charge came in. They had four years to take some action. In the very first year that our administration came in, we put a new ordinance out that any malfeasance for an elected or appointed official will allow them to be removed for office. I'm sorry to say we have to wait, excuse me, Brian, sorry, we have to wait until that person is in office before we can take any um, measures. Scott, you, could, you yeah. don't have last word, but you do can respond. Well, well thank you. Um, I, I guess I, I see a lot of people shaking their heads in the crowd. I, I see it's kind of disturbing to me that this is still continuing. Um, I, I have no other way to put this, but as the leader, you take control, and if others are agreeing with this, I guess it's birds of a feather flock together. I don't know. Last word, 15 seconds. Yeah, I think people should be able to answer for their own things. There's an apology out there. Uh, here's my stack of papers of all the times that I've come out and spoken about hatred, racism, uh, anti-Semitism, and I think that's what a leader can do. Um, I, I understand there's a problem out there. Racism has existed for centuries. Is there an active investigating to bring people to justice and all of that stuff? Because that obviously is where the proof is in the pudding. FBI, Connecticut Central Intelligence Agency, and I don't know exactly what their name is, and our local police. There, there were two reports of hate crimes, and they're looking we do need those. We do need to move on. This question will be uh, first to Scott. This is from a listener. And this says, should we be worried about ESPN long term? And what would happen if they downsized or left? I think, yes, that's, that's a, ESPN is a big taxpayer. And not only just with ESPN um, should we be worried. They just closed their North Campus, I believe. And um, we should be worried about some of the other businesses that are closing, like Associated Springs. Um, we, we have to get in there and we have to start asking the questions. What's your plan? What's moving forward? Where are we? You're, you're a stakeholder in this community, an investor. So we have to do, as a city, protect the, the community and, and the tax base. So we have to find these, these, these answers. And that's the only way we're going to do it is by connecting with those uh, uh, leaders at the, at the organization. Mayor Cacciano, is there an existential <laughs> issue with ESPN? There's an existential issue with any office-based business post-COVID. ESPN has uh, shut down their North Campus to their employees, and they are going to shrink. Uh, they're still renting that space. I'm in the biotech industry. We're in a biotech zone. I've already started discussions to try to put a biotech incubator space in there. I went to the 40th anniversary of the ESPN um, launch, uh, talked with their CEO and president, and he assures me now there's a lot of stuff here that could happen in the background. ESPN's looking to become a single entity and organization. He looked me in the eye, and he said, we're going to be hiring. We're going to be growing. It's an important business. Uh, I have the connection with ESPN, and we're, we're going to stay close to them. You have a last word if you want. I, I just can't see how we're growing when we're laying off. I mean, it's, 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 it's concerning to me, yeah. really. And it's obviously, as a former ESPN employee, it's obviously a, a huge place <laughs> with a national and international impact, and it's right in our backyard. Um, obviously a significant issue moving forward. I'm going to put this to both of you, and I'll put it to Jeff first. This is from another uh, listener question, and it's a national question. Um, we've all been watching Washington, D.C., and we can obviously safely say we do a better job of the dialogue and the governing here locally and, and, and statewide as well. But, you know, what are your thoughts on what you've seen and how it impacts people even here in Bristol? Uh, and I'm not in quite Congre understood. In Congress, Kevin McCarthy gets ousted as Speaker of the House. We have, I mean, you, I could go through the litany of what's going on nationally. You have a former president yep, going to court and glowering and intimidating witnesses. We have a president in his 80s who a lot of people think is really struggling. And we have Congress, which is not only dysfunctional, it's non-functional at the moment. Is that something that you think should be important to people there? And what are your general thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I think it's disturbing. I don't think anybody out there would uh, disagree with the fact that in national elections, the majority of people vote against somebody. Um, what I love that you started here is my philosophy, and I've held this since 2015 when I became the RTC chairman. It's all about local politics, and what we need to do is stay focused here. We had 31% voter turnout in 2021, and we had an 82% voter turnout in 2020. And people are listening to the news too much. If you love CNN or <coughs> Fox you News, can listen to us all get, get rid of it. And by the way, I love it, Brian. You've had me on your show quite a bit. You're about local politics. I can't comment about people I'll never meet. How many people in here have met a president? I do this on the campaign trail all the time. 
Everybody in here has met two or three past mayors, and you can come talk to me and talk about local issues. I can't control things that are out of my control. I'm very proud of what we've gotten accomplished in Bristol. It's moving in a positive direction. Scott. Jeff, I, I actually agree with you on this one. Local, local politics is where it's at. I mean, um, it's sad to see the uh, national, the federal trickling on down and, and um, infiltrating the, the local level um, decisions. So, um, yes, the turnout is low, and I'd like to see more of it this year. But, you know, in, in an overall scheme of things, that's why change is good. That's why we get to see the ups, the downs, and, and we get to work together. As long as we can work together, doesn't matter what party you're at, we have to, we have to make those. Quick things. 30 seconds. What do you do or what would you do to foster bipartisanship locally? Uh, uh, action speaks very loud here. Uh, I've worked very closely. Uh, as everybody knows, Bristol's a little bit of a red oasis in a blue sea. And uh, we've worked very closely with the Connecticut DOT, with the governor. The lieutenant governor has been here more than uh, any other politician. Even some of our local people are working hard for us up in Hartford. And uh, we've rolled up our sleeves and got a lot of things going. Hopefully we'll get to talk about all the things happening downtown can, soon. Can, can you repeat that? What would you do locally to foster bipartisanship? Well, first of all, like, again, like I said, I'm, I've worked down the middle, down the middle. I've seen this community through every lens, through every, de every, dem every demographic. And I'm excited if I get elected to work with our state reps, who are majority of them Republican, and any other council if they should be voted in Republican and work together down the aisle to make these sound decisions. Now, I asked each candidate, we probably have one or two questions before we take our break. I asked each candidate, what are the two or three core issues that are important to them? And one thing that Scott mentioned near the top, and he's already mentioned it in this debate, is leadership. Okay, and I'm going to start with you, Scott. You mentioned leadership as a core issue. What would you bring to this role as a leader that Mayor Cajano is not? In my years of business, and I've been in business over 35 years, I, I, you have to make sound decisions, and you have to make them at a moment that you're going to lead your departments, okay? Right now, right now, we have to build within our, within our departments, create a, cult of, a creative culture that everyone is gonna work together. And I have that ability to bring people together. You think that's not happening now? I know it's not happening. I know it's not happening. There's, there's people that are waiting four months to, to get in position. Big, big positions that the city, you know, you have to pay your bills. We had to wait three months for someone to fill that spot. When you had somebody within that could have been right in there. She needs the training. Can, can I ask which, yeah, you, which you spot? Can, you can talk to each other. I, I just want to know what spot's been open that needs to be filled in the last three months. Within, within the comptroller's office. The lady who's paying the bills. Yeah, our, and, and we, have, we have a brand new treasurer sitting in there, deputy yep. treasurer. How long did it take to get her? Uh, one month. That's not what I heard. Um, let me just talk a little yes, bit about City Hall because this is what's brought up. By the way, one of my proudest accomplishments as mayor is... Oh, we lost, lost me? You back? Am I back? The speaker may be dead. Anyway, one of my pr proudest accomplishments within my mayorship has been... Uh, it's on the air, guys. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, has been that we have changed City Hall. Many of the people in this room go in and they see people uh, serving them well. I am a servant leader, and that leadership has allowed me to let the department heads run the city hall. In the past, it's been a micromanaging, top-down approach. And by the way, that's not the previous administration. That's the 14 or 15 administrations before us. Uh, we, we have done the first DEI equity climate survey. And it is off the charts with how people are happy working in City Hall. By the way, most of our City Hall employees uh, live in the city of Bristol, so they'll have a chance to vote their opinion. That, cl that, that climate survey, I mean, what kind of questions were on the climate survey? I mean, let's just face it. We have no DEI training within City Hall. Again, we put the Band-Aid on top of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Those, those survey questions, what, what, were, what were some of those? Um, curious. First, first of all, I just got to go back and correct the record. There's never been a DEI survey in the city of Bristol until I got elected mayor. And uh, they were DEI. I've had 32 years of DEI training in the pharma biotech. 
I'm all about inclusivity. And uh, our, the, the questions that came back were, do you uh, enjoy your job? Do you have autonomy to do your work? How is your supervisor leading you? And again, it wasn't all greens. There's some yellows, there's things we're working on. We did hear back from people as, hey, we've never had DEI training. So HR is currently setting up a DEI, uh, just informational session for anybody who wants it. There, there has been training on DEI, especially in our administration. And maybe we have different views of what diversity, equity, and inclusion really are. All right, we have two minutes until we have to take a break. So I, I want to squeeze in one more, but it's going to be tight. Okay. One of Jeff's, Mayor Cajano's core issues is education. I'm going to put it to you, education. Uh, what have you done in the year and a half plus to make education better in the city of Bristol? I'm very proud that I'm able to work with the superintendent. We have pretty big differences in political philosophies, to be honest, but we have continued to fund our education, and I think uh, achievement speaks. So our achievement scores in the city of Bristol in our district reference group are one or two throughout our district reference group, and we also have gotten awards for attendance records. If kids don't get to school, they don't learn. Uh, and I just have to parenthetically say to everybody, Four years of education experience that I served on the Board of Education, if I were to ever make a requirement, and I'm not saying we make this requirement, I think every mayor should serve on the Board of Ed because it's 60% of our budget. And what we do is we hand the money over to the Board of Ed and they do what they want. So I, I think I can work really well with them and continue the progress that we've made in education here. Scott. Yes. I, you know, can you repeat the question real quick? Well, as, as I asked him what, what he's done as mayor, to make education in Bristol, I'd ask you, what would you do to make education better in Bristol? Well, education is our number one market in Bristol. It's what everyone looks for for their, for their kids to come to Bristol. That's a high priority. I realized that within the past, since I've been serving the city. Um, most people don't want to talk to the city councilman. They want to talk to the people who are representing the Board of Ed. So we have to continue to foster relationships with the, with the Board of Ed, with the superintendents, and ensure that our kids are getting the right equal um, equality across the board within every, every uh, child in right. our city. We're going to put a pause button here. We have taxes. We have home assessment and home affordability. Uh, some other specific mayoral-related questions, as well as several questions from the audience here that we will get to. So we're going to take a break for four to five minutes for news. Uh, we are live at the Parkside Cafe in Bristol on North Main Street with a mayoral debate between Mayor Jeff Cajano and Scott Rosado. All right, welcome back to the Parkside Cafe here in lovely Bristol on North Main Street. This has been great, and uh, we also want to... Always extend our thank you to J.R. Rusgrove, his wife Leanne, and his whole staff here. They could not be better. Uh, Trish has been taking care of us uh, since 5.30 a.m. So it's just awesome. And come down here, spend all your money, and, and, and patronize this place because it, it's what is the present and future of Bristol. Listen, what we're going to do here, we're going to pause. We're going to take a couple of audience questions, and then it's going to be – we're going to depart from the format. We're just going to give you each a minute, okay? There's not necessarily a need to respond. And uh, I'll start, and I might paraphrase a little bit, not that your grammar or syntax wasn't great, I'm just going to make it my own. Uh, this is from Ann, and this has to do with the town and, and the structure of government. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you, Scott. Um, is the mayoral structure of two-year terms the way to go, or should a city like Bristol go to a town manager system or any other system? Is this the right way to run the city? Hold on. Yep. Got it? Try it. Nope. Still can't hear him. Maybe we'll start with Mayor Cajano sure. uh, with that until they can work out the, the logistics of the audio for Scott Rosado. Um, we've had conversations about term. You yep. know, I've made it my, my, my feelings clear that it's hard to do a job in two years. But um, should the system be a mayoral system? I mean, there's a lot of places. The town manager system is like one of the hottest municipal government systems yep. there is. Do you think there should be a change here? I'd be open to it, but to be honest, the city of Bristol has spoken on this issue multiple times through charter revision. Uh, we've been mayoral systems since 1911, and I don't see a change. I don't fight for little things like that. I did fight for a four-year term for mayor, 
And the city of Bristol has spoken. 2,000 <laughs> people more said, no way, we don't want to do it. They want control. We have term limits here in the city of Bristol. And so we have a, a voter de a base and, and a citizenry that wants more control and power. I think it's working. I'll give Scott his time, but yeah. I will ask you, because con Congress is the same way with the House of Representatives. Do you feel like you were running for your election the second you got in, or have you been able to freely govern? Uh, I... My goal when I got elected was to get the job done. It turns out that it's a great election tool because I may have completely turned this on its head, and maybe we don't need four years because look what's happened in the last two years. Scott, are we good? Yes. Okay, yes. great. Okay, sorry about that, Mr. Rosado. We're going to give you plenty of time to make sure no you, you get what you, what you need. Um, do you think the city government format is, is the way it should be? Yes, I, I, I think I like the mayoral uh, setup. I, I'm, I think that's what it's always been, and I think we should follow that, those, uh, uh, those traditions. I, I, I think that um, when you talk about the two-year and four-year, again, the, the city voted, and, and, and we're, we're listening, two years. You know, I think four years you could probably, it's a little bit better because, yes, while Jeff championed everything over the finish line, a lot of that stuff was in place. There's months that of planning and prep that goes along. So you wouldn't just come in in two years and get all that done. I mean, there's 10 projects that were handed over. So championing them are, are pretty much easy once they're all in place and done. Um, I know you would like to respond to that. <laughs> but I think we'll get to the, the, I'll make sure I work that question in because Thank we you. did have multiple listeners say a lot of projects were initiated in the previous administration and then being executed in this one. But I want to rip through this from Jan. Um, the lat and we promised we wouldn't talk about the tragedy in Bristol, but we can talk about police staffing yep. in Bristol. And so I'll, I'll actually put it to you first, Jeff. How do you plan to address the still issue of staffing with the Bristol Police Department? Uh, plan to continue what we started, and I want to be very clear about this. Uh, when that tragedy did happen, it was predicted that we would probably lose 10 or 15 officers. And I can't take any credit for this, but Chief Brian Gould is a godsend. Uh, he's kept that uh, police force intact. Uh, we don't have any early retirements. We thought a lot of people might leave. Uh, we have definitely worked with the police. I, I feel like I've become one of them, which is a wonderful thing. I think they will endorse me later this month. But we have also increased their pay dramatically because they deserve it. I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm not a big, you know, let's spend a bunch of money, but a 14.1% raise over the next four years makes our police in the city of Bristol the highest play, paid police force in the, uh, of any city. And when, sorry, I'm gonna take a little longer maybe here too, but if you look at it before the tragedy, we were short about 15 or so officers. It's a statewide crisis and cities like the city of Bristol were struggling before that. It's amazing that we haven't completely plummeted. We've hired six new officers in the last year, and we have four in the immediate queue. So and how short are you with those 10? How short are you? We're probably still short about 10 or 12 officers. To, we are 122 sworn, and we're probably getting up to, we were below 100 at one point, at a desperate point. How would you address the staffing issue with the police department? Well, I, I served on the police commission, and at one point we had uh, 122. We were excited because we were going to get up to 127. Um, I pushed heavily to have more police officers, active officers on, on the, um, our budgets. However, the George Floyd incident happened and we started to go down with officers. They're, they're, they're just, the lack of interest um, became a struggle for us to find new recruitments. One thing that I want to focus on is recruitment. And um, we've had a great recruitment um, when we had uh, Deputy Chief Tavares on, on board. And when he left, um, we're, we're trying to fill some of those voids. Um, he went to colleges. He did outreach. And I think they're, getting, they're doing a lot better now getting back on track with, with that. Um, and I think those are some of the things that we have to continue to work on and, and recruit officers um, to, to build that um, base back up. I get to respond to this one? Or well, I, well, I technically it's a it's well, no. Okay, fine. I, I just want to make mention too, I, Jeff said that he was going to get endorsed. I'm taking that kind of personal because I wasn't even asked to speak with the, 
the body of the police department. So I've done a lot of work with the police department in my past years with peaceful, peaceful protests, defending a lot of the um, ridicule that they were faced. And uh, I, I, I just think that that um, I, I take it a little personal. Uh, we, I take it a little bit personal, excuse me, no, that uh, we haven't done the work. I, and by the way, I take it personal because it's our fellow police officers that have done the recruitment now. The reason we got six, it's hard to get one officer. And by the way, that's due to the police accountability bill that the Democrats passed in this state. Everybody nope. in this state, in a city environment, is having a tough time. I've been time. liberal with the clock, Jeff, yep. so you get last words. Yeah. Don't mistake me when I said that we weren't doing the work. I said that there was a gap when Tavares left, and we, we had to fill that. Um, and it got worse once the George Floyd incident happened. Sure. It was just a lack of interest within the police department. Well, people, people didn't want to – it was a cost-benefit analysis. They didn't want the grief of the work. It wasn't yeah. worth the money. The salary increases one thing to maybe offset it. Uh, this from Janelle, uh, and this is a question I would not have thought of, so I'm going to throw it out there and take it where you, where you want to take it. I'm going to take it to you, Scott, mm -hmm. and I'm going to read this one verbatim because it, it's, it's not something I want to paraphrase. Do you believe that citizens who commit small, quote-unquote, quality-of-life crimes should be arrested and prosecuted? Uh, she used you know, an example of, like, breaking into cars or Cadillac converters. Well, well that's, that's a big issue that we have within our community. Um, when, when we talk about crimes, what age are they? There, there's all different um, types of situations that we can run through. What's the age? How many times have they done this? We are not holding people accountable for their actions and in, in what they do um, hard enough. I, I think we need stricter penalties in the beginning. So you believe they should be arrested and they I, should be prosecuted? I believe there should, there should be, yes, some, some, some type of accountability held to them. And, and if it's arrest, yes. I, I think that's great. I don't think I can add much more, but, but there's no equivocation for me. You break the law, you should get arrested. We're trying to get police on the street so that we can enforce those laws, and that's one of the troubles that we've had. So, how do you, think, how do you think crime has been in the last year and a half in Bristol relative to the previous years? I, I think we're, we're always seeing a, a rise, right, um, depending on what's going on with, the, with our, our times. Christmas time is coming up. Things are getting tough. Opioids out there. I mean, you know, people are stealing more. It's, it's to, to pay for their habits. We, we really... It, it, is, it is on the rise. I mean, Cadillac converters, I'm not hearing too much of it that much anymore, but I am hearing of the minor break-ins. Just, just a couple of weeks ago, someone was trying to break in my, my car. Um, they just run up real quick, check the doors, and they're out. If the doors are open, they're going through it. So lock your doors. So he brought up opioids, and I'll put it to you, Jeff, yep. first. I mean, it's not a, heroin. It's not heroin. I, I once did a story on this, and, and a gentleman from California said, what they do here is not heroin. I did black tar heroin in California. I never thought I was going to die. You come to the Northeast, you're going to die. And I don't, the current conditions in Bristol, I don't know what the statistics are. Uh, Narcan's supposed to help, but fentanyl can't be offset by some, sometimes from that. Um, what have you done and what are you going to do to ameliorate the drug situation in Bristol? Yeah, so uh, post-COVID, we weren't meeting when I got elected to uh, have the op mayor's opioid task force meet. We meet quarterly, third Monday of every quarterly month. So October 16th is our next meeting. But behind the scenes, I've done an awful lot of work. I'm working with, uh, in particular, Mayor Neil O'Leary from Waterbury, by the way, he happens to be a Democrat. And uh, he is uh, the, one of the vice chairs of the National Opioid Settlement uh, Commission here in Connecticut. There's $600 million that is just starting now in October to be made available. You know, we need substance abuse treatment centers, we need transitional housing, we need mental health education, and uh, we do need to stem the tide. This is not something that just happens with the homeless or impoverished. Uh, the opioid crisis touches every single family, and I'm sure most people here know somebody who has overdosed. We have about eight per month overdoses. Uh, luckily, many of them are being, being brought back by Narcan, but there isn't enough services for them to get rehabilitated, and we're working on it. Yes, I, you know, opioids, I'm in, I was instrumental on the opioid task force. I, I think that um, quarterly meetings are not enough. I mean, people are dying daily. We have got to meet a lot more regular, at least monthly. Um, and that's what we did when we were there. Um, I will say this, that, you know, you, you've got to, when you talk about 
what we can do for the drug problem in our, in our community. It goes back to more officers. We need to have more officers to, to handle the, the, the calls that are coming in for this. We know where these spots are. We know it takes time to build our case, but we need more officers to stay on this. And, and I'm all for that in, in making sure that our community remains safe. Yeah, by the way, um, officers agree with. We've already talked about that. We've got hopefully 10 new very soon. But we also need that community connection. So what we had a program here uh, that probably cost overruns, whatever the case may be. We had a community liaison that was embedded with our officers because the way you get people help and treatment is you have to make a connection with those people. Um, it takes multiple times to get somebody into recovery. They have to be ready. Uh, I'm actually trying to partner with a pharmaceutical company that has a treatment like Suboxone, but the thing that they're gonna add is additional nighttime services where people can call on the phone when they're having a hard time. Those are the, those are the connections we okay. need to make. That, can, can I just say something real quick? He's gonna get a chance to respond All right, if you that's wanna fine. do that. The connections that we're talking about is, you know, you've gotta make sure you're making relatable connections with the person who's maybe on opioids. You can't send an officer to uh, and, and address someone who has opioids because they're not gonna trust them. We've gotta find community people who are entrusted by individuals. We gotta make the right fit. So when we are addressing it, that's important. Is any of that happening? Uh, well, unfortunately, about a year ago, we had decided to put a community resource officer that had a uh, licensed social worker, literally right before the tragedy, that would be embedded with the police and you know things change we didn't have enough officers to do traffic so we can't hire that so we're we're morphing and changing and we're looking to make sure that this happens within uh, a lot of our nonprofit and other uh, you know homeless shelters and everything we work very closely with them we have lots of services here we got to bring them together and make them work together we're tight on time listen whether it's assessments or taxes or home prices it's actually getting very difficult to afford a home in Bristol. As mayor, Scott, what would you do, make, do to make Bristol more affordable? Well, we've got to build our, our commercial base because obviously the, uh, the residential base has, hit, has, has went up, right? So we got to build our commercial base a lot more. Um, I will be aggressive with the spending I, what I've learned in my business, I'll be very fiscal responsible, um, and, and that's what we do. I mean, I, I've had tight budgets. There's times I, I don't know how to make payroll. Um, we, will, we will find a way, um, but I will be very aggressive in taking that approach of making sure that we balance our budgets appropriately. But what about making We're, it okay for people to be able to, first-time homebuyers, come in Bristol and, and be part of the tax roll and put their kids in schools? And yeah, Hopefully, like, like what we said about the, about the education system being number one, we want to make sure that our education is good to attract them. Once we attract them, again, we got to build our commercial base to, to drop down some of those values, Tax, so yep. taxes. This is economic forces, market conditions. In September, we had 186 new apartments and 20 new homes approved through the site plan. Since I've been elected, 493 new apartment buildings have been approved and we're starting to build them. It's a, it's a lot of supply and demand issues because we have seen people migrate to Bristol for lots of reasons, COVID is one, but we're seeing people from Waterbury, New Britain, uh, Meriden, and they're coming to Bristol because it's a great place to raise a family. We have an excellent school system for a city environment. And again, we got to compare ourselves uh, to, to like uh, cities. And you know, Bristol's moving in a positive direction. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to house all these people that want to come live here. I, I think you know we are building, but we aren't, the affordable piece is, is definitely a, a concern of mine. We've got to start making things affordable. Yes, we've got beautiful downtown development and, and what the carriers did over there, and, and, and thank you for your um, contributions to our city, but they're not affordable. So we've got to focus more on some affordable housing, we're especially, especially, especially. We got to go. Yep. We got yep. to gotcha. go. So listen, this is from J.R. Rusgrove. This is his question, although we had one or two listener and audience questions that are very similar. And I'll put it to you first, Jeff. And this will be the type of thing where you won't need a response. You just get a minute on it. Um, we talk about the short term. We talk about here. What is your vision for Bristol 10 years from now? 
10 years from now, I hope to have 3,000 new people living within a half a mile of JR's restaurant so that we have a live, work, and play environment. We've worked really well on the work side. We have uh, Wheeler Health and we have Bristol Health that have built uh, buildings down there. There's, as I told you, 493 new apartments. Most of those are centered around downtown. The play is the other one. This is a great restaurant. JR and his brand has a ton of great ones. But you trying to run like them out Ferrari. of business. Uh, no, and I think he'll agree with me that if we have four or five great places all centered around downtown, we keep 60,000 residents here. I've been knocking doors. Most of our residents, if they want to go out for a nice dinner, go to another town, and we need to keep them here. So long term, we need that walkable, livable workplace environment. Scott, what's your vision for the city of Bristol 10 years from now? 10 years from now. So I, I like to envision things 10 years out. I, I don't want to build for tomorrow. I want to build for the future. Um, I, I think first off, I, I think we have to make sure we create a five, 10-year plan. Um, I want to, downtown is great, but I want to focus on the other neighborhoods. Some neighborhoods that may be blighted, some neighborhoods that may be filled with some crime. I want to make them safe. I want to make uh, the clean up the areas. I want to make the quality of life for all our, all our residents livable. And, and I want to make sure all our residents are heard. All right, thank you. This one before we hit rapid fire, again, same type of format. And I'll start with you, Scott. What would you do? What would be the very first thing you would do? The very first thing, one thing as mayor. Wow, you got a minute. The very first thing I would do is I would thank all the past administrations for their hard work in getting us to where we are today. What's the very first thing you do in your second term were you to win? Uh, I would continue the development that we've had and continue working with everybody. Um, I'm, I'd say I, I'm not changing anything. My record speaks for itself. If you like what's happening in the city of Bristol, I hope you'll reelect me. Okay, so what we're going to do... Uh, we're going to do a little rapid fire. I, I don't like rapid fire when the questions are repeated because then the second person has time to think about it, so I try to differentiate it. A little, little fun might not be fun. It might be fun. I don't know. I'm gonna, i got a one or a two behind my back, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I'm a two. Okay, it's a one. You can go first or second. I'll go first. You want to go first? Yep. Okay. So he gets the left side questions. Okay. Um, Red Sox or Yankees? Red Sox. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree with them. <laughs> Favorite fast food? Is it to him? Oh, me? Yeah, no, all to you oh, and then okay. all to him. Okay. So you McDonald's. All right, right down the street. Oh. Come on. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Favorite pizza place? Pavilion. Favorite movie? Uh, Exorcist. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Morbid. There's a it's new one coming it's out. It's because I want to go see it. That's <laughs> why. I, I don't even like horror movies. <laughs> There's a new one coming out. Uh, Bristol Central or Bristol Eastern? Central. All right, we go to you, Mr. Mayor. Jets, Pats, or Giants? Uh, Jets, unfortunately. Oof. Your go-to bref breakfast order. Right. No, no, oh, no. Order. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. His, um, what, what is that? Uh, sorry, Jay, I don't remember the number, the name of it, the, the, the big mix, the Mexican mix stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> By the way. You just oh, lost his vote. <laughs> also, so my, my second go-to, because I can remember it, is a bacon, egg, and cheese on the uh, Harvest Bakery roll. Okay. Are you a snow shoveler or a snow blower? Blower. Okay. Central or Eastern? Eastern grad, 1986. <laughs> but by the way, we settled the debate in the entire room. We got them both covered. <laughs> That's right. All right, listen. First of all, thank you to both of you. We're not done yet. And thank you. Everyone's been wonderful in the audience as we've done something unprecedented here in Bristol. We're going to give you a minute each, and you don't have to take the full time. But to state your final case and your final statement, both to our audience and to the crowd here at the Parkside Cafe as to why you should be mayor. Yep. Scott. In closing, I want to leave you with this. My mother was a single parent on welfare, raising three kids in public housing and started a home care business. When she passed away at a young age, I was left to ensure my mother's legacy continued when I returned from serving in the Navy. So not knowing anything about the home care business, which I didn't, I was only 22, I dove right in and grew the business from 50 employees to over 700 employees at one point and created employment opportunities for residents throughout our community and providing critical services to our seniors. To the voters of Bristol who are listening today, I want you to know that my commitment to you is unwavering. 
and if elected, I will continue to support and advocate for you. Like I did when I was on the city council, my colleagues and I from the previous administration worked hard to create a plan for downtown that you see today. Improved parks, created efficiencies by combining departments, won awards for our response to the opioid crisis, and saved the Boulevard School. I can't wait to get started on the next chapter for Bristol. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. And for someone who has never debated, that takes a lot of courage, and we appreciate it. Uh, Mayor Caggiano, last minute to you. Yeah, uh, I really want to end with kind of talking a little bit about our record of accomplishment. And I do thank the previous administration for handing off a lot of projects like City Hall, Wheeler, Carrier, the Boulevard. But in the last two years, which we haven't seen, again, for 62 years, we have Bristol Works, which is right around the corner. We have Bristol Bazaar. We have the Riverside Avenue Park, uh, and Park Street streetscapes and $12 million coming in from a Democratic-run state government that is going to help us build our gateway to downtown. There's a new bike trail coming in. I've gotten lots of complaints about the boulevard and the bike trail. We're going to connect that all the way to Rockwell Park. Don't worry. This is a long-term vision. And, uh, you know, we have created a live-work environment that's pretty cool on uh, Main Street, right across from JR's other restaurant, where they're going to have a live-works uh, section on the bottom floor and 30 apartments above it with shared parking in the Hope Street parking garage. Everything I just talked about is brand spanking new. That's six new developments all on our own. Again, I've given a lot of credit to the past administration. I've been very good. They will all be with me on October 21st when we have our grand opening and ribbon cutting for City Hall with a plaque that has both of the previous administrations on it. We need to work together, Bristol, and Bristol has been a very positive environment. We are the envy of the state, and thank you for having us here. Uh, Scott Rosado, Mayor Jeff Cajano, thank you, and thank you to everyone here at the Parkside Cafe for joining us here. It was a wonderful debate, something we will do in the future. It's part of what makes local media and local government work at its best. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.